What's going on and welcome into the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm Daniel Salerson. Hope everyone is staying safe, wearing a mask, practicing social distancing, as we have an incredibly special guest for you today, as we are joined by Rex Chapman, former first round pick of the Charlotte Hornets, also played for the Phoenix Suns, Washington Bullets, Miami Heat, also spent over 10 years in the front office for the Suns and the Nuggets and doing so much around the community. I know a lot of people know him from Twitter, at Rex Chapman, because he is one of the best follows on there and he joins me now. Hello, Rex. How are you? How's it going, man? Thanks for having me. This is this is awesome. Absolutely. Glad to have you. And we're, we're having you for a very good cause. And uh, it, it has been released now. We want to talk about it through your, your Rex Chapman Foundation. Deciding to donate $20,000 to the greater New Orleans area through the, the Saints and the Pelican Social Justice Leadership Alliance. First off, um, it's kind of how this came about as far as this donation of yours. Yeah, you know, I, I'm just I'm very fortunate, feel very fortunate to be able to do this. You know, I've I've had tough days. This is a scary time in the country. And uh I, I know that sometimes just, you know, a meal can get you through the night. Uh we're gonna need a lot of masks out there uh coming up. Uh but this silly Twitter following that I have, right when, you know, the we kind of shut the country down. Uh, a buddy of mine and, and myself, we said, you know, we could probably raise some money for COVID relief through my opioid foundation. And uh, really just put out a tweet. And within a couple of weeks, we'd raised, you know, almost a quarter of a million dollars. Wow. And so we've been, you know, giving grants uh, to hotspots really all over the country, New York, New Jersey, California, here in Kentucky. Um, but then also a few weeks ago, I thought, you know, I should reach out to these the teams that I've had some affiliation with, you know, Phoenix and Miami, Charlotte, uh, Washington, um, you guys, not really, but kind of from Charlotte to New Orleans. So exactly. And then I know, I know Griff. So I called up uh, these teams and was like, Hey, you know, I've got some money here. If you guys can put it to use in your communities for masks, for PPE, for food banks, for, you know, whatever, for nonprofit. So uh, I got with, Swin and uh, Griff, oh gosh, about a week ago, they were immediately in. I couldn't, uh, I can't thank uh, Miss Benson enough. Uh, I know that Griff just, I haven't met her. Griff speaks extremely high, highly of her. I have other uh, connections there in, in uh, New Orleans too. Aaron Nelson, the son's trainer, yeah. one of my best, best buddies from forever. So uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm really pleased to be able to, to reach out and help a little bit right now. I'm glad you touched on your foundation because I was going to ask you about, for those that really don't know the origin of your foundation, can you just explain a little bit more of that and also your transition, I guess, kind of to some COVID relief efforts, as you mentioned. Sure. Yeah. You know, I I played for, uh, gosh, 12, 13 years in the NBA and finished at 32. And a doctor gave me a prescription for OxyContin. And within days, you know, I felt like my whole world had changed. I loved it. And, uh, but like they say, drugs are fun for a second, then it's fun with problems and then it's just problems. And that's what happened. Um, you know, and I spent about 14 years, uh, in and out of rehabs and addiction for painkillers. And when I got out the last time, about five years ago, you know, uh, just started this foundation to try to help uh, addicts, help educate, and then help people get into treatment that, that need to get into treatment. So that's really how that came about. And the COVID relief just kind of was an offshoot. Yeah. And for those that don't know, the funds are intended to provide masks, PPE, sanitizer, and other support for children in non-traditional school settings, group homes, and youth detention centers. So 
how important is it for you to know where this stuff is going? Because with foundations, sometimes people make a donation. You really don't know where the money exactly goes, but the but to have this twenty thousand dollars go to the Greater New Orleans area, and you know exactly where this goes. How important is it for people to know that this place, this this money is going in in certain important places? Yeah, I think it's uh, it's really important. And um, you know, look, the the sign of a good organization is being able to do things like this uh, on the fly. And uh, you know, I know I know Griff. I know he's one of the best in the business, but you know, as soon as he put me in touch with Swin, um, you know, they got with uh, Miss Benson and really hammered this thing out. So I, I'm, I'm thrilled to see, uh, you know, everyone who's donated knows what the money's going for. It's going to help COVID relief. And I can't think of a better way to do it than, than in our NBA communities yeah. uh, where, I, where I have that connection as well. I'll get to the NBA in a second for what they're doing inside the bubble, but how impressed are you with some of these organizations like the Saints and Pelicans? And you've seen a lot of NBA teams do this where they're creating this for the Pelicans. It's a social justice leadership alliance, just not only for, for COVID help, but for social justice issues, issues, you know, registering to vote, all these things that are going on in our society at the same time right now. How is it important for these NBA teams to use their platform for the greater good? Oh man, I think it's huge, hugely important. Elections have consequences, as we've all learned, a, a pretty uh, in a pretty crazy manner here recently. Um, and I am all for it, uh, man. When I saw that the Atlanta Hawks had uh, used their building for voting, uh, I was like, yes, 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 more of this. Let's really, you know, try to make a difference. Educate people on how important it is. Educate young people on how how important it is to vote. Um, you know, a lot of our, our social justice stuff that's going on now, it's, it's long overdue. Uh, you know, what is, people just want equality. I don't, I don't get what's so hard about that. Right. Uh, we just, how hard is it to say black lives matter? It's not, uh, yeah. I mean, come on. Uh, so I, I'm really proud of the league. Uh, and I am, I honestly am really proud of the leadership at the NBA because as soon as uh, Rudy Gobert, you know, got sick months ago, league shut it down. And guess what? America followed. And, and, and now we're also setting the bar for how to do this, continue to have sports in a safe environment for the, you know, for the fans. Uh, I couldn't be more, more proud of the league. Uh, and after being associated with it for, gosh, 30 years now, it doesn't surprise me. It, it, it really doesn't. I, 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 I love the league. It's great. Yeah, Isn't it crazy that you talk about it? It was five months ago yesterday is when the NBA suspended season. The Pelicans and the Kings were about to play, and then they didn't. And then the Pelicans, you know, went to the NBA restart bubble. But now when these teams are in the bubble, not only are they playing it safe, another testing with no COVID uh, positive test. Um, you had the Black Lives Matter on the court. You have the kneeling, which I think has been very powerful to see. Um, just seeing how forward-thinking this league is and kind of really setting the tone for not only – other professional sports, but just other organizations across the country with what they're doing. Yeah. You know, the first, the first night that I saw, cause I'd watched the baseball and they weren't, they weren't really kneeling during the anthem. And I, I wondered how our guys would do it, man. When I saw the first night, I just started bawling. I just right. started bawling. And I think about all the teams I played on. There is zero chance that I wouldn't kneel with my teammates uh, at a time like this. I couldn't be more proud of our coaches. Um, you know, and everyone, you know, look, I, I was drafted in the 80s. Wearing social 
issues on your jersey was never happen. I mean, this is this is progress, and just making people aware and keep and to continue keep talking about it. You don't want it to be a blip where we talk about it for a little while and go back. No, we want change. It feels like you do that a lot with you, with your Twitter account, and I kind of want to. I know you've told the story, I'm sure, a thousand times, but I think it's fascinating for those that are, or maybe just will go and follow you after this interview. Um, how you kind of went from someone that just posted videos of random animals and and how you're yeah. almost now at a million followers and not only posting videos and make people smile, but also touching on important issues going on. How how has your evolved your evolution on Twitter kind of been? You know, since this thing started. Um, you know, I, I was on Twitter for quite a while and then I was off for a couple of years. I got back on and I was getting really disheartened with the political climate and how toxic things were. And I wanted off about a year and a half or so ago. And, um, one day I just saw, I probably had, I don't know, 60 or 70,000 followers, but one day I really, I saw a video of a dolphin school of dolphins swimming in the shore as a guy was paddle boarding out. And one of the dolphins jumped up, hit him directly in the chest. And I said out loud, that's a charge. Yeah. And, and I just, I put it out. People thought it was funny or whatever. And honestly, that really just took the pressure off. I didn't have to, you know, get snarky on Twitter anymore. I could just put out these blocker charge videos. That kind of took off. And then, you know, you can only hit people over the head with people getting hurt so, so often mm -hmm. before it just turns into white noise. So start trying to put some feel good videos in there. Dogs. I love dogs. I've never not had a dog. So, um, yeah. And then, you know, as, as we've gotten further, uh, along these last few years, these last couple years, especially, I just felt the need to say some things and, and voice some opinions that I've always had. Um, and so you got to find a, a good balance. Um, right. and, and, and remember that, People don't believe the same things. And uh, so, I, I, look, I'm, I'm trying to learn here. I've got so many good uh, friend, black and brown friends, friends of color. Um, I'm just trying to continue to learn and uh, be as much of an ally or accomplice as I can be to, uh, you know, for, for all of the people behind us. And, you know, I've got four kids that I want to raise in a, in, a, in a beautiful world where we don't see color. Have you been able to learn a lot from just these players speaking out inside the bubble, you know, whether it's about certain issues going on or just the history in general, you know, a lot of people didn't learn a lot about John Lewis after unfortunately he passed, but I feel like it was a good learning moment, a teachable moment for a lot of people that really didn't know about him. Have you been able to, to kind of learn something new from the bubble each day or just something from some of the teams and what they're doing inside there? I, I'm, I'm, I'm so impressed with, you know, how every team, each, each and every team, it, they're really giving uh, players the, the latitude to, you know, say some things. And I, I find it fascinating because, you know, a lot of times, you know, we're just, we just hear about, you know, how was the game? We hear regular old interviews. I, I'm fascinated by the, by, you know, the guys that we do have who are right on top of it, who knows what's going on in the world, you know, not only in sports, but politically. And, it, you know, it, it lets you, it's just a little window into who they, a little bit more into who they are as people. And I find that, you know, extremely fascinating. I don't know if you've heard <laughs> Jalen Brown talk, uh, yep. you know, some guy, I, it, it's, it's powerful, it's powerful stuff. And I would, I would ask people to pay attention to, to some of these guys and the things that they have to say, because uh, truth is 
a lot of these guys grew up very, very differently than, you know, even myself, a rural kid, you know, from Kentucky. So, um, yeah, it, it, I, I'm excited about what's going on right now. It's a scary time, but I, I've never been more motivated to try to make a change. Right. And Jalen Brown's from my hometown area, Georgia. So I've been following him closely and what he's been doing there, which it's certainly been awesome. Someone also that, uh, you know, you were on his podcast a little earlier was JJ Reddick and what he's doing. He's also a part of the social justice leadership Alliance here with the saints Been very outspoken. And especially with his new podcast, having Stacey Abrams on, what is it meant to just your relationship with him? Cause you know, we listened to part of it, how it came evolved, you know, from Duke mm -hmm. and from you, North Carolina and all that, but just talk about, what JJ is doing in the community and just everything that your relationship with him, man, I I'm, I'm more impressed by JJ every day when I, he, you know, he wasn't playing when I was playing, um, right. but I got to watch him play at Duke and man, I hated him. I just hated <laughs> him. And I have a natural disdain for Duke as it is just being from Kentucky. Yep. Um, always respected him. Uh, he's turned himself into a way better pro than I ever thought he would be. And then I think that may, many people may have thought he's worked and worked and worked. But when I was on his podcast, within seconds, I was reminded, oh, this guy's got a Duke education. You, He's on top of it. You know, he, he knows other things. He's not uh, – I was very one-dimensional my whole life until the last few years. Um I, I find it he's going to be a success in whatever he does, whenever he retires. Uh, couldn't be more impressed with J.J. Reddick. Have you talked to Griff about how many Duke alum are on the Pelicans team? Have you kind of – You know, <laughs> I just now thought about that. You got Zion, you got uh, Fr Frank. Frank Jackson, Brandon Ingram, Jaleel oh, Okafor. God. You got Trajan Langdon, the general manager. I mean, it's it it's, used to be Kentucky I, heavy. Yeah, well, hey, if you want to make the playoffs, you get more Kentucky guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'll make sure to relay the message to him on that one. <laughs> what about your relationship with Griff? Because it goes you know, pretty far back to the Phoenix days and all that. For those that don't know, just talk about your relationship with him and how it's evolved over the years to where it's at now. Man, I, that's a funny dude and a, and a really good dude, organized, knows what he's doing. Um, you know, when I first met Griff, he was working, you know, kind of as an underling in the Suns, you know, kind of marketing department for a second. And he moved up very quickly. And then I finished playing and went out with Griff one day to scout. And he was saying something to me about the player out there. And I went, yeah, exactly right. And looked over at him like, yeah, but how do you know that? And he knows it. He knows what he's looking at with players. Um, a, a really good dude. I, uh, you know, he's been very good to me. Uh, he and his wife. I just can't say enough good things about David Griffin. Dave Griffin. You could – we went to Europe together once and I mean, he'll go anywhere and watch. If you, if you tell him if two puppies are wrestling in a sack and tell him it's basketball, he'll go watch it. He'll, he'll go watch yeah. it because he's just eaten up like that. And you know, it's, it's hard to fail when you're that consumed with, you know, what you're doing and how, especially how good you are at it. Absolutely. That's a great story right there. Before I let you go, Rex, I appreciate the time. Uh, how can folks know they can follow you on Twitter at Rex Chapman, but talk about, the Rex Chapman Foundation, where they can maybe log on and donate if they want to donate to the cause? Just go go to my Twitter. Um, I've got a link that I put up there every day. You can you can continue to donate. Um, and if you if you can't right now, don't worry about that. Uh, this these are tough times. These are scary times for for so many of us, if not all of us, right now. A lot of uncertainty. Uh, you know, love one another. Reach out and 
and uh, stay as connected as we can while social distancing. Absolutely. You get $20,000 of the greater New Orleans area through the Saints and Pelican Social Justice Leadership Alliance, and he's doing so much for the community through his foundation. Rex, I really appreciate the time, and, and I look forward to speaking to you again. Thanks, Daniel. Appreciate yeah. it. And I'll do it for this edition of the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. Again, big thanks to Rex Chapman. You can follow him on Twitter at Rex Chapman with a very generous donation of $20,000 to the greater New Orleans area. Again, it will go to provide masks, PPE, sanitizer, and other support for children in non-traditional school settings, group homes, and youth detention centers. So you know that money is going in the right place. And again, a big thanks to the, the Pelicans and Saints and the Social Justice Leadership Alliance. This is just the beginning for them and what they're going to be able to do. And we look forward to seeing what is in store for them as far as how they're going to impact this community during a tough time. Hope uh, this podcast finds you well. Hope you have a great day. And we'll talk to you next week on another edition of the Pelicans podcast presented by C.